Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. I am joined here today with uh, a special guest, Hank Ackerman, who is the former Vice President of Global Supply Chain at Prince International. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Maria. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to be here. It's Great. extraordinary times. <laughs> well, tell me about it. So uh, I think, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your journey so far in the industry so that the, the, the audience can, can get a view as to who you are. Sure. So, you know, I, I have uh, recently, what you would say, crossed the aisle over to uh, back to consulting. Um, you know, in my career, I've had uh, a mix of consulting uh, as well as industry experience. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's been a, a fantastic opportunity for me to see a lot of, of different businesses and the way things are done and, and really bring those best practices to, you know, to my clients and, and to where I am. I kind of think of myself as a, a true child of supply chain, right? I, I started out, you know, as a customer service rep, um, where I think is a, it's a very important, uh, you know, position that, that puts you at the crux of, of you know, the customer uh, and the delivery side of the business. Um, it's, it's where you make the promise to the customer. Um, and uh, I really believe it's a, it's a fantastic kind of starting point for, for a lot of folks. And, that, that they need to understand the, the rigors of that position. And then I've worked in just about every other position there is in supply chain. Uh, you know, I've, I've also been in sales for, for over 15 years uh, um, and then uh, been in a, the operational side, um, been driving trucks, been in planning, putting together SNOPs uh, um, all the way to um, running a warehouse. So I've had, um, uh, quite a diverse experience, and I think that gives me an interesting perspective, certainly on what it takes to to make things function correctly. Well, that, that's for sure. I love how your story gets started by the you know the customer. Everything about supply chain sh- revolves yeah. generally around how we deliver to our customers, and having started your journey there is a really great place to to, to really understand how you can deliver to them. Right. Obviously, we're in the midst of this COVID nineteen storm. And I don't necessarily want to spend all of our time talking about coronavirus because I'm sure there's so much already discussed about this topic. Having said that, we are now looking at supply chain through the prism of uh, this virus. What has happened? What went wrong? What can we learn? What, what's, what's your take on the state of the industry right now? For me, this is going to be an extremely big opportunity for supply chain to come to the forefront of business, right? Um, you know, for, for 10 years, I've been hearing, you know, supply chain needs to have a seat at the table. Um, you know, I, I think we can, we can point to, you know, women like Beth Ford who have broken, not only broken the glass ceiling, but the supply chain ceiling as well, and, and gotten into the, the top job of an organization through supply chain. Um, and so to me, that's a really powerful uh, message to send to the, to those of us out there who who want to achieve, you know, higher things in an organization um, that you know we are now going to have even more important role in the decision making of an organization, um, and we have to to seize this opportunity, if you will. 
So a lot of a lot of uh, the people that I've been speaking with, despite the fact that we're in some terrible storm right now with panic and with death and with uh, you know crisis, they do recognize the opportunities uh, that can come out of this crisis. Uh, what do you think is going through the minds of supply chain people right now? Well, I'll I'll tell you what was going through a little bit of of my mind. I, I had been implementing SNOP uh, in a in a a private equity owned portfolio company. And it was a major change for them. You know, there were some parts of the business who adapted well, some parts did not, right? So, you know, we had a lot of change management in terms of, you know, how we get the business to recognize and operate in this new way. And we were a budget-based organization. What supply chain is gonna bring to the table in 2020 is a new way of thinking. Uh, my Former company Prince was really a budget-based organization, um, and as are a lot of organizations. And we had spent the last year putting in sales and operations planning, um, and it offered a new set of data upon which to run the business. And, and I think that's that's well known and well documented that uh, it is very effective. But I think a lot of other organizations have yet to embrace that as a a true management methodology. To me, this uh, gives you the opportunity to do that. You know, question to the audience, what company do you know that has a budget for 2020 that's at all relevant anymore, right? Absolutely. If, 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 you're, if your incentives are based off of budget performance, uh, if your incentives are based off of, uh, you know, anything relative to what you thought was going to happen seven months ago, let's all out the window. So I, I think it's critical now that you have a process in place to you know, drive your car out the, looking out the front windshield uh, instead of looking in the rear view mirror. Um, you know, navigating obstacles in front of you uh, and doing it better than your competition is gonna be what's gonna put you forward in your industry versus performance to budget. And so I think this is an opportunity for us to change the conversation in the boardroom uh, and change the conversation within the or the halls of the organization to say, hey, let's all work collaboratively together based off of a, a new, you know, single source of the truth that that allows us to react as best as we can to what's ahead of us versus to, to trying to you know, perform to some arbitrary number we thought was going to happen seven months ago. I think you're absolutely right here. The uh, fact is that everyone is looking at their budgets today, budgets that they wrote months ago, weeks ago, uh, whenever it was that they wrote these budgets and they are ripping them up and starting again. So there's an opportunity here to perhaps change the business model, change the conversation. Right. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. It all starts of course with the forecast, right? I mean, that's the first act activity that, that a budget, uh, you know, utilizes to, to, you know, trickle down everything. And I think that, that having a regular cadence to a forecast, is critical for a business. Most mid-market companies are what I would define as kind of uh, poor to medium at their forecasting capability, right? They're, they're just now beginning to innovate in terms of, you know, utilizing uh, demand sensing technology, um, you know, collecting external feeds that impact, you know, what's going to happen in the future. Most of them kind of have statistical forecasting in place, or some of them have statistical forecasting in place that they, you know, may or may not pay attention to. But it's often very history-based, and and I think 
now there's going to be an emphasis uh, on, you know, how do we look forward um, and, and, you know, talk with our customers? How do we bring in external data? Um, how do we change the conversation with our external partners to inform that forecast going forward? There's a lot of technology out there that is rapidly changing this field, and it's going to take a while for some of that to, to truly trickle down to the mid-market firms. But the ones who can embrace it and can invest in it um, will, will definitely see that uh, become an advantage. Do you think that there's also an opportunity here for changing the conversation, the mindset about supply chain? I mean, you said that at the beginning that the role of the supply chain person is fundamental now to business. Do you think that this, the mindset or the conversation about supply chain can change too? I, I think that one of the, one of the big conversation changers um, is ultimately going to be about how we relate the forecast to the rest of the organization, right? You know, one of the misconceptions is that forecast is a number. Uh, yeah. And to me, that's actually the least valuable part of the exercise. To me, the exercise is really about the thought process, what gets you to that number. So, um, you know, in, in my SNOPs, right, we, we talk about uh, the assumptions that went into the creation of a number. Uh, that's always a, a very robust discussion. We talk about the the upsides or opportunities, and when we talk about the risks, um, and oftentimes it, those are really where you capture the the navigable uh, obstacles in that that your organization is going to face, and and you are able to then kind of take those and run scenario analyses based on them, versus a single number that you're performing off of. Right? We we have a baseline. Um, but then off of that, you're, you're able to, you know, do scenarios and, and understand what are the, the things that could happen. And so to me, uh, the more robust discussion is less about that single number and more about, uh, um, you know, what are the, the factors surrounding that number. So that doesn't take technology, right? That doesn't take anything mm -hmm. special other than having a business cadence in place um, that allows for that discussion uh, and, and having the right people at, at the table with an intentional discussion uh, around that. And so how, how do people make that happen today whilst navigating the crisis? You know, we're in the, you know, we're in this crisis right now. What can people do? What can supply chain leaders do to implement something like this? So that's a great question. The cadence itself, right, is typically a set of meetings. And you know, the, the only thing that typically changes in my experience around a crisis and, and number one, I think it's important to realize that, that every company has crises that they go through, right? So, you know, we had river flooding and, and uh, you know, a number of other issues that would regularly plague us. But uh, at the end of the day, our ability to communicate uh, effectively um, would allow us to navigate those obstacles. So, you know, maybe we don't wait every month to have our SNOP cycle. Maybe we run it, you know, twice as frequently. You know, maybe we have a new cadence that we put in place where we're touching base more often in order to, you know, manage the, the crisis that we're, we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that there's anything, there's no silver bullet outside of really putting together the right people in the right room with a very tight agenda 
that that drives towards actions, right? And and these are all basic, you know, business concepts that a company must execute well. But I find that ironically, a lot of companies, you know, don't do that. They they get away from the rigor. You you tend to leak back into individual conversations and you know you and I could sit here and, and make a decision that substantially impacts the rest of the business uh, but if you don't have the rest of the team on on the line then then no one's going to be aligned with that decision and, and no one's going to be informed of it so uh, you know to me it's very much about you know creating that that rigor the cadence uh, that that operates the business the heartbeat if you will um, and making sure that that's that's implemented correctly and that people really pay attention to it. And now you, you're, you're out of excuses, right? You can't say that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm out of the office. <laughs> We're all in our office almost all the time, so. Absolutely. What do you, what do you think are the risks, though, of uh, uh, people that are caught up in this crisis that might overlook that could potentially damage them down the line? I think there's always a little bit of a, a, a pendulum swing, right? That you go, you know, too far one way or another in terms of your reaction. And I think, you know, to to use an analogy in supply chain planning, there's the the bullwhip effect. And if you think about it, right, there is a, a lot of modulation that is constantly happening with your your inventories and and your your forecast. And the danger is if you begin to see a trend right, you have a tendency to overreact to the slope of that trend and, and what's happening to it. And, and what you miss is the, the turning point. And so it's very important, I think, for, for organizations to really be on the lookout for, you know, I, I want to try to adjust the right amount and not over adjust. And I think that's where you'll see organizations kind of saying, all right, I'm, I'm out of stock, right? So now I need to you know, really, really oversupply, or I, I see this trend happening, and and I'm now gonna, you know, kind of change my business fundamentals to to overreact to a certain situation, and I find myself now sitting on, you know, inventory months later, or or out of inventory uh, months later, you know, when when I really need it. So the importance of the forecast in that particular perspective is to be very intentional about looking out beyond the crisis right? Really managing to, you know, what you think is going to happen and then documenting your assumptions. Document, document, document. Make sure that everybody's aligned with that. Those to me are, are kind of the, you know, critical components to managing that risk. Do you, do you think it's very difficult to strike that kind of balance between overreacting upon a trend and actually taking a step back and preventing yourself from overreacting? No, uh, I think you have to just outrun the slower person, not outrun the bear. And in this particular situation, it's your competitor who you need to react better than. And so to me, it's not about perfection. It's simply about being able to effectively read the market and, and build the relationship with your customer to have a frank conversation and understand their needs and then react appropriately to that. So I think the, to, to think that you have to achieve perfection in any one of these particular situations is a, is a goal. But in reality, there is no such thing as perfection in forecasting. But you know that you can do it better than your competition. And that's what's critical to success ultimately. So for good forecasting, what kind of data do people need to be listening to or looking at? 
and what kind of teams do they need to be building? For me, I think it's critical to have a, a you know dedicated supply chain team in place. And one of the challenges with a mid-market firm is you know the competition for budget, the competition for you know for for bodies uh, that you have. Um, there is a, a lot of new tools and innovations out there that, that can be invested in. However, uh, competition is fierce in, in firms. And so you really have to make a compelling case for that. But at the end of the day, the, the challenge is not just you know, finding the people within your firm who, who believe in it and, and can contribute, but also to find the best people in the marketplace. So there's there's two sides to this, right? Let me let me go back to the the people within the firm. Number one, supply chain requires a lot of input from functions outside of supply chain. So you know you have to sell all of those stakeholders and sell that there is a portion of all of their jobs that they need to devote to enabling you to do your job. Yeah. Uh, and that and that's a that's often a challenge, right? Um, salespeople will complain about the time that it makes takes to fill in a budget and the operations guy will complain about having to, you know, update the routings and do this and do that. But it's all critical, right? Because they get something very valuable out of the process, but they have to input something. So I, I think it's it's very much a sales job within the organization to ensure that people are are dedicated. You know, number two is the, the war for talent. And I think, you know, this uh, is going to be an interesting period coming up. My sense is that a lot of firms may see supply chain folks as, you know, less than required in their organization. And as they're, as they're going through and cutting, I think you're going to find a lot of kind of talent, you know, sitting out on the bench right now. And so it, it's a good opportunity to me, if you, if you have the funding um, to go out there and get it. One of our recent challenges, uh, you know, both in consulting and, and in industry is really finding good domestic talent. Uh, so for the U.S., um, it's been increasingly difficult to, you know, be able to fund and justify an H-1B, and it's getting riskier to bring in, you know, international talent. However, you know, if you post a job on LinkedIn, you'll get 200 hits in 24 hours, but, you know, 90% of those hits need an H-1B. So it's, it's uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the, the outcome of this la these next few months will be on that talent pool and how we're going to react to that. Do you think that the supply chain function uh, is changing post-COVID in a way that perhaps could not have been predicted pre-COVID? I think it's not necessarily a matter of um, if it's going to change, it's how fast it's going to change. We have been experiencing, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a, a, a revolution in the sense that um, we're now part of the, the conversation in the boardroom. We have leadership now that is being filled with uh, supply chain talent. And I think it continues to be an opportunity for, for folks within the firm and, and an attractive place for people to kind of you know, grow up within an organization. Um, so to me, it's it's an accelerator, right? Versus that that ultimately the change will happen. You know, you think about finance, for instance. Finance is kind of a given for an organization, right? It's it's I have to have it. I have to have treasury people. I have to have this, right? It, it's it's kind of become the the normal. I wouldn't say become the normal, but it is a normal. Yeah. Um, I think supply chain is not too far behind that, and and this will help accelerate it. Right. So, you know, when you sit down and you look at a typical organization chart, 
you're not going to see supply chain buried down at a, at a manager level, right? You're going to see senior folks, uh, uh, you know, begin to, to elevate out through, through the organization. And then, uh, you know, the, the other part of this, I think, is where is the supply chain talent going to develop their business skills? And that is very much incumbent upon the leadership of supply chain to ensure that their teams uh, are able to understand how the rest of the business works. Right. So, um, you know, typically masters of business administration, right. They go into finance, they go into, you know, operations, but they go into sales. You know, I, I think there is an opportunity to be able to get more general business experience into the supply chain and allow them to, to grow up in an organization. And that ultimately will make us much more effective at our jobs. So, uh, I'll, I'll give you an anecdote. I, I had a, a very talented young, um, you know, supply chain uh, professional within my organization, and uh, you know, he had always wanted to be in finance. And you know, before honestly, I even arrived at the organization, he had applied for a job in finance, and and you know, he kind of said, "Hey, you know what? I applied for this job, and I think I, I'd really like to do it. It's a, it's you know, kind of always been an aspiration of mine, and, and I fully embrace that um, because I think ultimately." You know, you've you've got to let that little bird fly away and, and, you know, grow up and learn a lot about how the rest of the business functions and understand that, you know, maybe one day he'll he'll come back. But the, the financial capability and having somebody now in finance who understands supply chain is even that much more powerful. So I, th I think it's really important that that supply chain really begin to spread its wings throughout the rest of the organization and vice versa. You know, the uh, the profession was evolving anyway, if you think about it, before this, this crisis hit with the advent of e-commerce, with consumer demand changing the paradigm, really. It was shifting everything around. The supply chain yeah. function was becoming much more, I guess, uh, valuable. You know, although we still had an image issue where people saw supply chain as a warehousey sort of back office in yeah. the dark with boxes or shipping goods with transportation, they didn't right. necessarily see it as a business function. Are you right. saying that now, post-COVID or during COVID and, and, and the world that we will emerge into, that the supply chain function has an opportunity to be at the forefront of business? So let me ask you a question. Uh, if you're Jeff Bezos... And you have to fire either your head of supply chain or your CFO. Who do you fire? Well, it's a, given that it's it's Jeff Bezos, I would say definitely finance. Can you find people that can run Amazon supply chain? Probably not. Right. I, that's their business model, right? I mean, that that's the the new reality that we're facing. Is um, that's the core function that they provide uh, for their clientele. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got to step back. We'll go back to the customer experience, right? What is the customer? Who, who is creating value for that customer? And the reality is that, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can find somebody to count your ducats. But if now your, your value is uh, uh, inherent and, and what makes you more valuable to your customer than your competitor is your supply chain, then, then absolutely that becomes a core functionality of your organization. And I think uh, it's important to recognize that, um, you know, there has been a, a tendency to outsource a lot of this function in the past, right? I, I use 3PLs uh, and, and that's still appropriate in, in many instances. 
Um, however, I think a lot of firms are now recognizing the, the value of having the control of this, of this uh, uh, part of their organization, both from a visibility standpoint, you know, in terms of being able to see the, the, the material flow through their organization, but, but also from a decision-making perspective, right? Um, it, it now becomes a real strategic lever to create value in the marketplace and value for their shareholders. All right, let me ask you a, a question. I'm not going to hold you to it, but what do you think the supply chain function will look like in 10 years now? If I'd asked you, I bet you if I'd asked you the question six months ago, it'd be different. But where do you, what do you think the function looks like in 10 years? Well, I, I think it's still maturing a great deal. And I think you're still going to find there's parts of uh, the world and parts of organizations where supply chain is still going to be developing and maturing uh, and maybe at a slower rate. But in 10 years from now, there are components of what we do that will be extreme business disruptors. Um, and I think even right now, what's what we're going through with, with, over these next few months, what we're experiencing is an accelerator of how we operate within supply chain. Big box retailers are going to get hit extremely hard, right? Um, I think you, you know, you may have seen Amazon is going to hire a hundred thousand people, right? That's a lot of hiring. <laughs> I feel sorry for that HR organization, but at the end of the day, I think it, it does accelerate, you know, the change in our supply chain there. And, and so we're going to have continued uh, uh, disruptions that are going to um, change the business model for, for how we move goods through, through our world. What's hard to predict is globalization. What countries uh, are going to continue to be uh, successful and dominant in, in terms of attracting, um, you know, manufacturing and, and logistics uh, um, growth and, and what countries uh, are going to be challenged with becoming part of the global economy? You know, Africa and, and South America have been really penetrated by China. Uh, over the last few years. And what remains to be seen is whether or not the, the kind of the global balance can be at parity. Uh, and if we can continue to say, you know, there is a level playing field for all participants in the global economy. You know, child labor, for instance, uh, you know, was something that, that was a big deal, you know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, all the way back to 10 years ago. And um, it, it was always, uh, you know, questioned whether or not um, you could compete with that. Uh, and and it's, it's true, but, but the, are the principles that we operate our supply chain on going to be at parity globally or, or not? And we'll still continue to fight those battles. And obviously, we have a, I have a side that I believe that, uh, you know, we want to have a, a global marketplace that is at parity uh, and that does treat you know workers and, and the people within that economy fairly. Um, however, we're constantly going to be challenged with that. So supply chain will continue to innovate at a, at a very local level. And I think we'll see it become more and more efficient, which is fantastic. But the, the globalization side of things will be also impacted by COVID-19 and we'll understand a little bit more of what's going to happen kind of in the next year, if you will, to see if, if countries are going to kind of shut down their borders and say, you know what, we need to have more independence in our operations or, you know, how do we more effectively operate within the global economy so that we don't, uh, you know, have the, the shock 
to to our economy when when one of our global trading partners uh, you know freezes up. Yeah, I mean, it's very it's going to be very hard to predict. I mean, we're still we're still learning, aren't we? And there's quite a lot of information out there, and uh, it's still too soon to be able to determine what it is that we're going to take away from this from this crisis. Right. Uh, what advice would you give right now for to supply chain executives today? That's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, sometimes it depends on what, what advice, uh, you know, number one, they're seeking and, and number two, you know, what they need to hear. I think, you know, to me, in times of crisis, it's critical to always get back to the basics, right? To get back to, you know, executing on, on your, your business cycle. Um, maybe it's, a, as I mentioned before, a, a little bit more often and, and you're, you're having the key you know, sales and operations planning or scheduling discussions on a more frequent basis. But those are still the basics around operating effectively within your organization. So you know, to me, it's not necessarily a question of there's some, some magic bullet out there that, that's going to help them, you know, get through this crisis. But ultimately, it's going to be them solidifying their role as the, the central intelligence officer of their organization, right? They, they're going to be the, the pass-through. You need to be the pass-through and the coordinator of all the different functions um, because your ability to, to both see and navigate these obstacles better than your competitor is ultimately going to springboard you coming out of this crisis. I absolutely think that what you just said there is, is, is spot on with it being the central intelligence officer for their business. Supply chain is going to play a very pivotal function in the weeks going forward, the months going forward, or maybe longer. And actually being at the center of all of that information is very, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Hank, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm sure our audience and our members will be able to see you on some of the other things that you'll be doing with us. But yes, for now, thank you so much for joining us on, uh, on FinTV. Uh, I'm I'm very grateful for this time with uh, with you and the audience. Um, this is this is a really a, a great time, and I could I could talk obviously for, talk for hours about these uh, these subjects. So uh, look forward to uh, to talking with you in the future. Thank you very much, and for those of you that are watching, uh, we'll see you again in the next episode of Fin TV.